Greetings, detective. Welcome to the Murder Mystery Company and our new free service, Calm Mystery. We know that many of you need that calm and centered moment, but meditation isn't necessarily your thing. If you're a mystery lover, a crime fan, and could use a break, you've come to the right place. It sure is a suspenseful world out there, but I have good news for you. In this world, the only suspense will come from the world's best writers. For the next few minutes, we're going to close the door on the outside world. First, find a comfortable chair, sofa, or bed. Take a moment to just relax into that spot. Let your body sink in, slowly releasing the day's tension. Just relax. You've earned this time. You need this time for you. Your body will thank you. Now let's take a moment to clear your mind. I want you to focus on two things. My voice and your breathing. Take a deep breath in through your nose. Let it out slowly through your mouth. Now the same thing, but let's breathe on my count. Three counts in and four counts out. Breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. As we do this, you're going to slowly relax more and be perfectly ready for tonight's dastardly tale. Now again, breathe in. One, two, three. Now out. One, two, three, four. One more time, breathing out the last bit of stress. Breathe in, one, two, three. Now out, one, two, three, four. Excellent. Tonight's tale of mystery, intrigue, and murder is truly spine-tingling. Calm Mystery the Safety Match by Anton Chekhov Read by Perry F. Bruns On the morning of October 6, 1885, in the office of the Inspector of Police of the 2nd Division of S. District, there appeared a respectably dressed young man who announced that his master, Marcus Ivanovich Klausov, a retired officer of the Horse Guards, separated from his wife, had been murdered. While making this announcement, the young man was white and terribly agitated. His hands trembled and his eyes were full of terror. Whom have I the honor of addressing? asked the inspector. Sykov, Lieutenant Klausov's agent, agriculturist and mechanician. The inspector and his deputy on visiting the scene of the occurrence in company with Sykov, found the following. 
Near the wing in which Klausoff had lived was gathered a dense crowd. The news of the murder had sped swift as lightning through the neighborhood, and the peasantry, thanks to the fact that the day was a holiday, had hurried together from all the neighboring villages. There was much commotion and talk. Here and there, pale, tear-stained faces were seen. The door of Klausoff's bedroom was found locked. The key was inside. "'It is quite clear that the scoundrels got in by the window,' said Sykov as they examined the door. They went to the garden, into which the bedroom window opened. The window looked dark and ominous. It was covered by a faded green curtain. One corner of the curtain was slightly turned up, which made it possible to look into the bedroom. "'Did any of you look into the window?' asked the inspector. "'Certainly not, your worship,' answered Ephraim, the gardener, a little gray-haired old man who looked like a retired sergeant. "'Who's going to look in if all their bones are shaking?' "'Ah, Marcus Ivanovich, Marcus Ivanovich,' sighed the inspector, looking at the window. "'I told you you would come to a bad end. I told the dear man, but he wouldn't listen.' Dissipation doesn't bring any good. Thanks to Ephraim, said Sykov. But for him we never would have guessed. He was the first to guess that something was wrong. He comes to me this morning and says, Why is the master so long getting up? He hasn't left his bedroom for a whole week. The moment he said that, it was just as if someone had hit me with an axe. The thought flashed through my mind. We haven't had a sight of him since Saturday, and today is Sunday, seven whole days, not a doubt of it. I, poor fellow, again sighed the inspector. He was a clever fellow, finely educated and kind-hearted at that, and in society nobody could touch him. But he was a waster, God rest his soul. I was prepared for anything since he refused to live with Olga Petrovna. Poor thing, a good wife, but a sharp tongue. Stephen, the inspector called to one of his deputies. Go over to my house this minute and send Andrew to the captain to lodge an information with him. Tell him that Marcus Ivanovich has been murdered. And run over to the orderly. Why should he sit there kicking his heels? Let him come here, and go as fast as you can to the examining magistrate, Nicholas Yermolayevich. Tell him to come over here. Wait, I'll write him a note. The inspector posted sentinels around the wing, wrote a letter to the examining magistrate, and then went over to the directors for a glass of tea. Ten minutes later he was sitting on a stool, carefully nibbling a lump of sugar and swallowing the scalding tea. "'There you are,' he was saying to Sykov. "'There you are, a noble by birth, a rich man, a favorite of the gods, you may say, as Pushkin has it. And what did he come to? He drank and dissipated, and there you are, he's murdered.' After a couple of hours, the examining magistrate drove up. 
Nicholas Yermolayevich Chubikov, for that was the magistrate's name, was a tall, fleshy old man of sixty, who had been wrestling with the duties of his office for a quarter of a century. Everybody in the district knew him as an honest man, wise, energetic, and in love with his work. He was accompanied to the scene of the murder by his inveterate companion, fellow worker, and secretary, Dukovsky, a tall young fellow of twenty-six. "'Is it possible, gentlemen?' cried Chubikov, entering Sykov's room and quickly shaking hands with everyone. "'Is it possible? Marcus Ivanovich? Murdered? No, it is impossible. Impossible!' "'Go in there,' sighed the inspector. "'Lord have mercy on us. Only last Friday I saw him at the fair in Farabankov. I had a drink of vodka with him, save the mark.' "'Go in there,' again sighed the inspector. They sighed, uttered exclamations of horror, drank a glass of tea each, and went to the wing. "'Get back,' the orderly cried to the peasants. Going to the wing, the examining magistrate began his work by examining the bedroom door. The door proved to be of pine, painted yellow, and was uninjured.' Nothing was found which could serve as a clue. They had to break in the door. "'Everyone not here on business is requested to keep away,' said the magistrate when, after much hammering and shaking, the door yielded to axe and chisel. "'I request this in the interest of the investigation. Orderly, don't let anyone in.' Chubikov, his assistant, and the inspector opened the door, and, hesitatingly, one after the other entered the room. Their eyes met the following sight. Beside the single window stood the big wooden bed with a huge feather mattress. On the crumpled feather bed lay a tumbled, crumpled quilt. The pillow, in a cotton pillowcase, also much crumpled, was dragging on the floor. On the table beside the bed lay a silver watch and a silver twenty-kopeck piece. Beside them lay some sulfur matches. Beside the bed, the little table, and the single chair, there was no furniture in the room. Looking under the bed, the inspector saw a couple of dozen empty bottles, an old straw hat, and a quart of vodka. Under the table lay one top boot, covered with dust. Casting a glance around the room, the magistrate frowned and grew red in the face. "'Scoundrels!' he muttered, clenching his fists. "'And where is Marcus Ivanovich?' asked Dukovsky in a low voice. "'Mind your own business,' Chubikov answered roughly. "'Be good enough to examine the floor.' This is not the first case of the kind I have had to deal with. You, Graf Kuzmich, he said, turning to the inspector and lowering his voice. In 1870, I had another case like this. But you must remember it. The murder of the merchant Portretov. It was just the same there. The scoundrels murdered him and dragged the corpse out through the window. Chubikov went up to the window 
pulled the curtain to one side and carefully pushed the window. The window opened. It opens, you see. It wasn't fastened. Hmm. There are tracks under the window. Look, there is the track of a knee. Somebody got in there. We must examine the window thoroughly. There is nothing special to be found on the floor, said Dukovsky. No stains or scratches. The only thing I found was a struck safety match. Here it is. So far as I remember, Marcus Ivanovich did not smoke, and he always used sulfur matches, never safety matches. Perhaps this safety match may serve as a clue. Oh, do shut up, cried the magistrate deprecatingly. You go on about your match. I can't abide these dreamers. Instead of chasing matches, you had better examine the bed. After a thorough examination of the bed, Dukovsky reported, There are no spots, either of blood or of anything else. There are likewise no new torn places. On the pillow there are signs of teeth. The quilt is stained with something which looks like beer and smells like beer. The general aspect of the bed gives grounds for thinking that a struggle took place on it. I know there was a struggle, without your telling me. You are not being asked about a struggle. Instead of looking for struggles, you had better— Here is one top boot, but there is no sign of the other. Well, and what of that? It proves that they strangled him while he was taking his boots off. He hadn't time to take the second boot off when— There you go. And how do you know they strangled him? There are marks of teeth on the pillow. The pillow itself is badly crumpled and thrown a couple of yards from the bed. Listen to his foolishness. Better come into the garden. You would be better employed examining the garden than digging around here. I can do that without you. When they reached the garden, they began by examining the grass. The grass under the window was crushed and trampled. A bushy burdock growing under the window close to the wall was also trampled. Dukovsky succeeded in finding on it some broken twigs and a piece of cotton wool. On the upper branches were found some fine hairs of dark blue wool. "'What color was his last suit?' Dukovsky asked Sykov. "'Yellow crash!' "'Excellent! You see, they wore blue!' A few twigs of the burdock were cut off, and carefully wrapped in paper by the investigators. At this point, Police Captain Artsybashev Svistakovsky and Dr. Tyuchev arrived. The captain bade them good day and immediately began to satisfy his curiosity. The doctor, a very tall, lean man with dull eyes, a long nose, and a pointed chin, without greeting anyone or asking about anything, sat down on a log, sighed, and began, "'The Servians are at war again. What in heaven's name can they want now? Austria, it's all your doing.' The examination of the window from the outside did not supply any conclusive data. The examination of the grass and the bushes nearest to the window 
yielded a series of useful clues. For example, Dukovsky succeeded in discovering a long dark streak made up of spots on the grass, which led some distance into the center of the garden. The streak ended under one of the lilac bushes in a dark brown stain. Under this same lilac bush was found a top boot, which turned out to be the fellow of the boot already found in the bedroom. That is a bloodstain made some time ago, said Dukovsky, examining the spot. At the word blood, the doctor rose and, going over lazily, looked at the spot. Yes, it is blood, he muttered. That shows he wasn't strangled if there was blood, said Chubikov, looking sarcastically at Dukovsky. They strangled him in the bedroom, and here, fearing he might come round again, they struck him a blow with some sharp-pointed instrument. The stain under the bush proves that he lay there a considerable time, while they were looking about for some way of carrying him out of the garden. Well, and how about the boot? The boot confirms completely my idea that they murdered him while he was taking his boots off before going to bed. He had already taken off one boot, and the other, this one here, he had only had time to take half off. The half-off boot came off of itself, while the body was dragged over and fell. There's a lively imagination for you, laughed Chubikov. He goes on and on like that. When will you learn enough to drop your deductions? Instead of arguing and deducing, it would be much better if you took some of the blood-stained grass for analysis. When they had finished their examination and drawn a plan of the locality, the investigators went to the director's office to write their report and have breakfast. While they were breakfasting, they went on talking. The watch, the money, and so on. All untouched, Chubikov began, leading off the talk. Show as clearly as that two and two are four that the murder was not committed for the purpose of robbery. The murder was committed by an educated man, insisted Dukovsky. What evidence have you of that? The safety match proves that to me, for the peasants hereabouts are not yet acquainted with safety matches. Only the landowners use them, and by no means all of them. And it is evident that there was not one murderer, but at least three. Two held him while one killed him. Klausov was strong, and the murderers must have known it. What good would his strength be, supposing he was asleep? The murderers came on him while he was taking off his boots. If he was taking off his boots, that proves that he wasn't asleep. Stop inventing your deductions. Better eat. In my opinion, your worship, said the gardener, Ephraim, setting the samovar on the table, it was nobody but Nicholas who did this dirty trick. Quite possible, said Sykov. And who is Nicholas? The master's valet, your worship, answered Ephraim. Who else could it be? He's a rascal, your worship. He's a drunkard and a blackguard the like of which heaven should not permit. He always took the master his vodka and put the master to bed. Who else could it be? And I also venture to point out to your worship, 
He once boasted at the public house that he would kill the master. It happened on account of Aquilina, the woman you know. He was making up to a soldier's widow. She pleased the master. The master made friends with her himself. And Nicholas, naturally, he was mad. He is rolling about drunk in the kitchen now. He is crying and telling lies, saying he is sorry for the master. Thank you for listening to Calm Mystery, a Murder Mystery Company production. To solve your own case with us, visit MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, and use code CALM, C-A-L-M, for $20 off your own murder mystery party. We have dozens of entertaining detectives. You can even ask for me, Perry, by name. If no one else can help, and if they can find me, maybe I can help you become Detective of the Night. That's MurderMysteryZoomParty.com, all one word, code CALM.